0: Carmel Presbyterian Church's podcast channel. Open up a Bible or just listen in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you. Good morning, everybody. If you are following along in your Bibles, we're going to be hanging out in Genesis chapter 11 and 12 for a while. So if you want to use the Pew Bible in front of you on page 8 and 9, we're going to be kind of in there for a little bit. And you might be asking, after you just heard uh, that wonderful scripture being read, you might be saying, well, I thought we were talking about Abraham today. Who's this Abram guy? Well, Abraham had a name change, and here in our text in Genesis 11 and 12, we know him as Abram, which means father. But later in Genesis 17, verse 5, his name is changed to Abraham, which means father of many. So he has a name change. Now, when my kids need something, they'll say, Dad but if they really want me to respond, they'll say, handsome, humble, hardworking, Papa. (laughs) And it works. I'm telling you, it works every time. Katie has trained them well. And the reality is, too, even though it's kind of funny, I want to live into that name. Now, the handsome part's kind of hard for me, but the, and the humble part I'm working on and the hardworking part, I want to live into that for my family. So even though it's kind of funny, I want to become that man that they call me. I want to live into that prophetic utterance, right? And it, So it's working, handsome, hardworking, pop-up. Now, here we have Abram. He, he goes from that name, which means daddy, to Abraham, which means, catch this, big daddy all right? Literally. Well, the the Tim translation is Big Daddy. So when someone asks you today, well, what did Pastor Tim talk about at church? You could say, we talked about Big Daddy, all right? So before there was someone named the King of Pop, before there was Stan the Man, right here in the Bible, we have the Big Daddy, Abraham. So when God gives a name change, you need to take notice because names are prophetic in the ancient world. So Abraham, who we know now as Big Daddy, he's a very important person, probably even more important now today than he was those thousands of years ago. And so if you went to any mosque today or a synagogue today or a Christian church today, all of us would lay claim that we're children of Abraham. All of us would say that. And so, in fact, the majority of the world calls Abraham their spiritual father, and so it would be wise for us to take a few minutes a day to learn about this person, Abraham, this man. And we need to realize that the redemption for which Abram trusted God came through his descendant, Jesus. And so we're spending the next several weeks looking at Jesus in the Old Testament based on a Tim Keller series that I heard years ago. And so if I say anything insightful, it probably came from Pastor Tim Keller And so what we see is Jesus in this story. We're looking for Jesus in every story of the Bible. And we find out that Jesus alone can facilitate our adoption into God the Father's family. It only comes through Abraham's lineage, Jesus, making us rightful heirs of the kingdom of God. In fact, Galatians 3 verse 29 says this, "'If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring.'" Heirs according to the promise. So there it is right there, this whole connection of Abraham, Jesus, to us. God gave Abram in our story a word that he would become Abraham, and it happened, it did. So let's take notice when God gives a word. And so my prayer for us this morning is that you would know by the power of the Holy Spirit that God has a word for you today. He wants to speak something to you. One of the greatest pleasures that I have is after a service, someone will come up to me and say, Pastor Tim, I love that insight you made on that one passage." they'll say something, and I didn't say anything close to that, but the Lord just touched them. So you know what the amazing thing is? That God is so imaginatively uh, creative and wonderful that he will take my mess of a message that's based on the Bible, and he will personally speak and apply it to you if you're open to it. The Holy Spirit wants to help you understand a word that God has specifically for you today. Yes, it's a word for us as a body, but it's a word for you. So I don't, here's the good news, I don't know what you need, but God does. He knows exactly what you need to hear, the exact way you need to be nudged, the exact way you need to be impressed upon in a certain way, It's exact something that you need to remember, God, the Holy Spirit knows. So my prayer is that you would know that God has a word for you today. And hopefully it resembles something of what I'm talking about here. But sometimes the Spirit just works amazingly to speak even beyond what I intended. And that's good news because we have a Holy Spirit who's powerfully present. And so I want to pray for us as we continue digging to God's word. Holy Spirit, we recognize your presence Jesus, we recognize your promises in God's word where you proclaim your presence, and so we know we've been worshiping you. You tabernacle amongst those who praise you. We've been doing that. Where two or three are gathered in your name for your purposes, you say your presence is here in a special way. And so we want to trust that spirit that you are here, that you see us, you know what we need, and so open up our minds and hearts to you this morning. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. And so we want to take notice that God has a word for Abram and for you to remember God has a word for you as well. God has his word for Abram that he can fulfill in him that seems impossible. And God reminds Abram that he's the God of the impossible. So let's learn a little bit more about Abram who turns into Abraham. Now the first thing in Genesis 11 when you read that we're gonna notice that all of human history has seemingly come to a dead end, at least spiritually. So let me explain that. The only ray of hope after Adam and Eve are banished from Eden is a single family tree through a son of Adam whose name specifically is Seth. And so if you flip over to Genesis chapter four in your free time this week, verses 25 through 26, it talks about this son, Seth, who descends from Adam and Eve, who also has a son. And then the scripture says in Genesis four, this is the time when men called upon the name of the Lord. And some commentators think this means is that the Lord is specifically going to bring a spiritual hope through Seth's lineage. So it's a very specific word that is through Seth's line that hope will come. Hope for the world, spiritual hope. That all the other families of the earth at this time, apart from Seth's spiritual line, are not following God. But Genesis 4 is pointing to this picture where men are calling upon the name of the Lord through the lineage of Seth and his son. So here's the good news. The good news is that Abram's father, Terah, is a descendant of Seth. So you see it's all working out, right? And so the Bible says that Terah and his family then are really the main and only remnant of The people who are rightly worshiping Yahweh. That this is what the Bible is pointing to. That this is the one and only family who's worshiping the one and only true God in this time. So you would hope that Terah is a good God-honoring person who's following Yahweh. But the answer is no. If you take a note of Joshua 24 verse 2, it says it very clearly. Joshua 24 says, Terah worshiped other gods. Oh, no, this is really bad news because Adam and Eve's son, Seth, and Seth's son, whose lineage led to Terah, is supposed to be the hope for the world. But Terah is a moon worshiper. Bad news. Not a good sign. In fact, Terah's name means moon. And the land of the Ur of the Chaldeans is a place known for lunar worship. It's a place of pagan worship and idolatry. This is more bad news, okay? Tara's name is Moon. He's living in the land that worships the moon. Not a good sign. See, you see bad news upon bad news. They are spiritually dead. There's no hope, right? The last family on earth who knows God, the last seed of hope, where we see the Bible talks about this plan of God using this lineage has gone to the dark side. Forgive me. I just saw the latest Star Wars film, Okay. They went, Tara went to the dark side. There's no more hope. There's no more hope. This is what's at stake. Tara and his family are all moon worshipers, which actually means Abram, being a good son, right, in this ancient family, was probably, before the call of God, a moon worshiper. That's his pagan background. Abram himself possibly was a moon worshiper, And so Terah and the family are all moon worshipers. They're pagans who've turned away from the one true God. They need to turn back to God for the spiritual lineage to continue. Adam and Eve and Seth and his son and Terah. And now it's all laying on the line with Abram. The last candle of hope, it looks like it has flickered out and they're spiritually dead. And the Bible says that Abraham and his family are spiritually dead at this point. Abram, who is named now. But not only that, at this point... Spiritually dead, but physically dead as well. Now, Sarai, who will later be known as Sarah, is barren. If you take a look at ch- chapter 11, verse 30, it says it very clearly. Now, Sarai was barren. She had no child. Now, keep in mind, you just had this genealogy starting in verse 27, verse 28, verse 29, and then 30. Whenever you see this ancient genealogy kind of diverge from the list of names, and especially when it lists a woman, which is more unique in this very patriarchal society, you want to take note. And so if you're like me on a Friday night reading your genealogies from the Bible, which I'm sure you all do, you take note, you circle and say, God, what does this mean? Tell me more about this. And the Bible is making a point that Sarai is barren, that the last... Hope of the lineage that comes from Adam and Eve's son Seth and the son of Seth and the lineage leading to Terah, the last hope of spiritual life is not only spiritually dead, they're moon worshipers, but they're also physically dead. There's no hope for the lineage to continue physically as well. And so the family who's supposed to carry forward the true worship of God was going to literally die out because Sarai is Barren, physically dead, spiritually dead. And then God breaks into the scene. Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said, so here's the thing when God speaks, he has authority over all of the circumstances of our life. The Lord said, God speaks. And when God speaks, stuff happens. The Lord said to Abram, which means father, right? Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation. Time out, God, Yahweh. We're moon worshipers, first of all, okay? Secondly, we're spiritually dead and physically dead. This is impossible. But verse one starts up, but now the Lord said, so I guess his word overcomes our circumstances. His word overcomes our own doubts. Our word overcomes our resume that doesn't match up. God's word overcomes all the the disqualifications of your life and my life. And that's good news, because then it's all about him, and it's not about you. You see, in Genesis 12, maybe God is saying something like this. Now the Lord said to Abram, I can bring life because I'm the author of life. I know you're physically dead, but I can make dead things come to life. Stop trying to do it on your own. I know you're spiritually dead, but I'm the author of spiritual life. I can bring life out of death. I can do it for you, and I can use you, and I can send you out. The call of God is an act of grace. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior this morning, it's an act of grace. Hate to break it to you. It wasn't based on your good religiosity or because you sit up straight or you sing the songs out loud. It's simply because of God's act of grace reaching out to you and actually giving you the gift of faith to say yes to him. It's all God's grace. And that's good news because that means you didn't earn his love, which means, you know, by now you cannot lose God's love. It was never based on your resume. And that's great because you can't lose it based on something else that you might do or not do. You're secure in his love. And the call of God works like this. God doesn't call the qualified, but rather he qualifies the called. So he calls you and then he qualifies you. But you say, Pastor Tim, but I'm physically dead. I have all these limitations. I'm spiritually dead. I have all these doubts. Well, the good news is that God is bigger than our death. He can bring life out of places that seem impossible that he can work in me, or work in you. God calls Abraham and Sarah, even though they're spiritually derailed and physically deprived, you name the deficit in your life. And God says, I'll work with that. I'll work with that. You're in my image, according to Genesis 1, Genesis 2. You are made in God's image. God will work with what you bring him. He's bigger than your deficits. God will qualify them because he's calling them. He'll do the same with you. You could be spiritually dead, physically dead. God says, I know, I will bring hope. But he asks you to surrender your life to his call. He does ask you to do something. Genesis 12, 1, it says, now the Lord said to Abram, this is what he tells him, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. God calls Abram, I want to point out, without any details, So maybe you're thinking here today, well, I'll follow God. I'll say yes to God in 2020, but I need some more specifics, Lord. I need to tell me exactly where I'm going and how it will go. But God says, I'll show you later. Just trust. Say yes to me. Follow me, and I will show you the details later. You read the Bible You'll see how God always tells Abraham, tells lots of other characters in the Bible, follow me, trust me, I'll show you how it's all going to work out, but follow me first, I'll show you later. The only clarity that God is promising you is this clarity, follow me, stay with me, be close to me. Theologian and, and pastor John Calvin interprets these verses in this kind of way. God told Abraham, close your eyes and take my hand. I love that picture. We're holding the hand of God. Where are we going, God? He's like, just hold my hand. How's it gonna work out, God? Just hold my hand. Hold on to me. I am the way, I am the truth, I'm life. Hold on. You know not where you're. I know you better than you know yourself, God is saying to you sitting here today, hearing this word. Maybe God has a word for you, and the one word you need to hear is God saying, close your eyes take my hand. We want to hold the hands of other things, don't we? Other things we want to trust in. Other, other gods, other, other signs of strength, other signs of security. We want to hold that. God says, no, no, no. Let go of those things. Hold my hand. Close your eyes. Take my hand. But where are we going? How long will it take? How's it all going to work out? God says, close your eyes. Take my hand. I'll show you later how it's going to work out. Jesus, we ask, where are we going? Jesus, he says, don't worry about it. I was sharing with the staff earlier this week. I think it was in Matthew 11. Jesus says, he says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Now, that's a crazy idea. A yoke? I didn't grow up on a farm or working with livestock. But my understanding of this is like a big wooden or metal brace. One cattle or oxen attached to the other. Jesus is saying, be yoked with me. Stay attached to me. Another great picture, right? Where are we going, Jesus? Just stay in my easy yoke, he calls it. We're doing hard work in Jesus' easy yoke. Close your eyes. Take his hand. Stay yoked with Jesus. Where are we going? Ah, the details we demand, right, to follow Jesus. He doesn't promise the details. Close your eyes. Take his hand, stay yoked to Jesus, stay close to him. Where is God asking you to take his hand and stay close? Where is God wanting you to trust him, to be yoked with him, attached to him, following him in your relationships, with your money, with your career, with your inner thoughts, your doubts even? Say, I wanna be yoked with you. I wanna be connected to you, your family brokenness. It's all about trust. It's not about getting clarity. Trusting to step out when you don't have the details. See, Christians first personally respond to God's call. Respond to him, confessing Jesus as Lord and Savior, and then surrendering to the Spirit daily. We must have that call in our life. And you surrender your life to God without having all the answers. If someone told you that the more you get to know God, the more clear everything gets, I'm sorry, they lied to you. It's an adventure. And you never know where God's going to take you. It might be somewhere, and something you never imagined before. I know for Abram, he thought he was going to be a moon worshiper the rest of his life. God called him out of that pagan worship, out of the nature worship, and into the true worship of the one true God, called him out to follow him. He's calling you out. He wants to speak a word into you. You will be not just a father, but a great father, father of many nations. I know you're spiritually dead. I know you're physically dead, but I can bring life. Close your eyes. Take my hand. You may not know all the details, but follow me. And we see Jesus in this story. Again, this picture of Jesus throughout the Old Testament, Jesus is a true and better Abraham, isn't he? He answered the call of God to leave all the comfortable, all the familiar, Tim Keller says, and to go out into the void, not knowing all the details. To create a new people of God. You see, Jesus got out. He went up and he left. He got a call. Like Abraham, he got up and left the safety of the Father's presence. You ever consider that? Jesus left the safety of the Father's presence and he came to us. Jesus left the ultimate Father's house, the ultimate security. Jesus went to the ultimate abyss, hanging on the cross. You remember him saying this? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I don't quite understand exactly what happened on the cross, but in some way, theologians believe that somehow Jesus is separated from God for some kind of moment. Because in fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, not that only Jesus absorbed sin, it says that Jesus became sin. I don't get that. But as Jesus became sin, hanging on the cross for you and for me, making a way for us to be with him, to be with God forever... There's a separation. He left the safety, the comfort of the heavenly house of God. He entered in the deepest abyss for us. So in some ways, Jesus lost his father for a time so that we could get the father. And he did this for you. And this is why Jesus is the true and better Abraham who brings an inheritance of eternal life. This is what Jesus does. Hebrews 11, verse 8, which we read earlier, says this specifically. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, listen to this, even though he did not know where he was going. Abraham's credited with faith for closing his eyes and taking God's sense. I don't understand what this means, Lord, I will follow you. We stay yoked to Jesus. We say yes to his ways. He did not know where he was going, but it's credited to him as faith because he went, he got up, and he left. And Jesus does it even more. So Abraham, we see, actually is, is evangelizing his idol-worshiping family. And in some ways, we actually believe that the whole family starts off by stepping out in faith, but then they settle. We'll see that in just a minute. Tara and the family, they settled at some point. They didn't fall through in the call of God. Tara and the whole family, who are supposed to be the family line of Seth so the whole world could worship the one true God, they set out on a journey. They set on this call of God to Abram, but at some point they settled. Now, you are surrounded by people in your life right now who need you to get out and to share this good word, the truth of God's love. And that's why God has placed you here. There's a get up and get out word for you, just like for Abram to say yes. But God, I don't have all the details. What am I supposed to do? How's it all going to work out? Take my hand. Follow me. Take a step of faith. You won't bless them unless you step out, unless you try. Step out with your time, your talent, your treasure. Step out. I just want to highlight for you, we reported in our bulletin. if you look on the back, uh, because of your joyful giving, we ended the the year just $14,000 short of our goal, so I want to say thank you. That's one way we step out in faith, right? With joyful giving, but it's our treasures, it is our time, it is your talents, God has given you things to share, he's calling us to step out, even if you don't have all the details of what it's going to look like. Abraham got out of his comfort zone, became a blessing. See, stepping out could mean inviting someone to come here. It, it, stepping out could mean sharing a, a video of this sermon with someone. That's stepping out, right? That'd be a risky thing for some of us. Stepping out could be going and sitting with someone this week who's grieving. And I'm sure every one of you knows someone who's grieving. And just, I didn't tell you to say anything, I said, go out and sit with someone who's grieving. You bring the presence of God with you, right? Maybe you're called to step out this year and help fight against human trafficking in our county. That happens here in modern day slavery. I've been talking this past week with those who are working with the county and the city and they're combating this very real problem affecting children. Maybe God is nudging you to step out in some way. Step out and share the good news in word and in action. See, God will provide if you take his hand. He qualifies those whom he has called. God will provide if you take his hand. You may not know where he's taking you, but be ready to close your eyes. Take his hand. Be ready to be yoked with Jesus this year in 2020 in some unique way. Now, I want to ask you as we take a look at 2020 that we don't settle for anything less than God's best. If you take a look at Acts 7, I'm going to turn there. You don't have to turn there. But in Acts 7... We actually get a little insight into Abraham. This is good study for for you guys later this week. And Stephen basically gives a Bible summary in Acts chapter 7. It's being challenged by the high priest. And Stephen says, brothers and fathers, hear me speaking to men. Acts 7 verse 2. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran, and said to him, Go out from your land and from your kindred and go into the land that I will show you. Then he went out from the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran. And after his father died, God removed him from there into this land from which you are now living. Now, if you reflect on that this next week, you're going to realize that Acts 7 actually tells us that Abraham received the word from God before they left Ur. That's not as clear in Genesis 11 and 12 when God spoke to to Abram before he's Abraham. But the hint we get, the clear word we get from Acts 7 is that it actually, the Lord spoke to Abram before they even landed in this spot. That before they left Ur, God spoke to Abram which means that Abram probably spoke with his moon-worshiping family and says, we have a new call of God. Let's all get up and get out like Yahweh is telling us and follow him to a land which we do not know yet. Let's get up and get out. And they all did. And so we get the sense that this moon-worshiping family packed up and left for a land that the true God would show them. And so, in some sense, somewhere along this way, we get the sense that the Lord spoke to Abram that it was, it was going to be a land far away. But what happens is that at some point they settle in Haran. They stopped partway before they got to the ultimate goal. And so Tim Keller says that God says that Abraham in Genesis 12.1, you have to imagine they settled in Haran, they haven't completed the journey, and this is where God speaks, and maybe we can know that this is God repeating himself again, right? Before they left for Haran, and while they're settled in Haran, that God says, get up and get out. The Lord said to Abram 12.1, go from your country, your kindred, your father's house to the land, I will show you. Don't settle in Haran get up and get out. See, we see from Genesis eleven thirty one 31, that Terah and the family settled there. But when they came to Haran, they settled. They stopped. They were going to Canaan, but they settled in Haran. Abram knew he wasn't supposed to settle. They stopped short of a goal. And eventually, Abram has to leave the moon-worshiping family and set out On his own. They stop short of the goal. They stop following. I wanna give us all a charge for 2020 to don't settle. Four areas I wanna talk about as we wrap up. Don't stop short of the goal. Don't settle in your communion with God this year. Don't settle in your community with others this year. Don't settle in your compassion for neighbors. Don't settle for anything less than God's best. Lastly, with your congruence with yourself. I'm going to talk a little bit about each one. First of all, don't settle in your communion with God. See, you're wired for a radically connected relationship with God. So I'm asking you, how is God nudging you? How is God speaking to you in 2020 to go deeper with Him, go deeper in this relationship, to, to get to know Him better? How is God calling you to go deeper with Him this year? How can we help you in your prayer life, your study of scripture, your spiritual practices? Because we don't want you to settle for just being religious, because that has nothing to do with what God wants for you. Don't settle for just coming to church. Don't settle for religiosity. Don't settle for moralism. Don't settle for crystals. Don't settle for worshiping trees. Don't settle. Follow the one true God. But how is God nudging you to not settle? in your communion with God. How can we help you? Because you will be spending eternity with the God of the universe if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. So we're inviting all Christians in 2020 to go deeper with this God who is setting you up for eternity and it's already begun. Your life will never end in Christ. You don't have to wait till heaven, right? Before you get to know this God better. He wants to get you to go deeper with him. You're wide for more than just a vague sense of a higher power. You're wide for more than a vague sense of a transcendent being. Be still and know that I am God, the scripture says. He wants you to know him. Maybe it's stillness in 2020 as a spiritual practice. Maybe it's slowing down in 2020. Maybe it is coming to church. Some of you, is your first time you're here. Maybe this is part of the spiritual practice that God is nudging in you to get to know him better. What spiritual habit is God nudging you to practice more in 2020 so you might know him more intimately? Secondly, beyond communion with God, don't settle in your community with others. You're wired for relationship. So let me ask you, the last few months I've been challenging you to find your 4 a.m. friend. Find that person that you could pick up the phone at 4 a.m. and they won't hang up on you. Every one of us needs someone in this community that we can go deep with. Now, I want to remind you as well, 4 a.m. friends start usually with a 12 p.m. appointment, though, okay? So, don't, you don't go right into, like, you know, the crisis, you know? Your first, I know I just met you, thanks. I found your cell phone on Google, but that's awkward and creepy, okay? So, 4 a.m. friends usually start at 12 p.m. or 9 a.m. coffee, you know, go play some basketball, uh, play golf with me, and look out for the ball it might hit you in the head, whatever it might be. You spend time with people, right? And over time, God brings you a 4 a.m. friend. My prayer for you, don't settle. Somewhere in this community, in this church, you should have a 4 a.m. friend in 2020. That God would open doors for you to go deep with one person, two people in this church. Don't settle. And close yourself off to the potential of deep relationships. How can you go deeper in one or two relationships this year with a brother or sister in Christ? Don't settle with your community with others. God has given you gifts so that others might be blessed. They need you. You need them, and they need you in their life. You need them, and they need you to offer yourself as well. Thirdly, don't settle in your compassion for neighbors, people who need to know the love and the hope of Jesus, the only Lord and Savior. See, in that same manner, we're blessed to be a blessing. And see, going and making disciples is our central call to join God's mission it's why we're alive. It's why we exist. And so as we join God in reaching our neighbors, we are reaching the world. We have global partners like Wycliffe, right? Amazing that your prayers, your resources, your partnership is blessing Wycliffe. And then in our own community, our own backyard, through the yellow brick road, through our deacons, through our supportive young life, through all of our various ministries within inside our church, it is reaching the outside as well. Whether you're in the youth or whether you're a senior or everyone in between, we keep investing. We keep leaning in. Our compassion for our neighbors who need to know the love of Christ. We don't settle. We keep going deeper. We get up and get out like Abram does. And sometimes getting up and getting out, it's our own backyard, right? A need right here. And God wants to use finance people and artists and engineers and chefs and organization people, whatever the gifts that God has given you, he wants to use you to get up and get out and to love our neighbors who don't know Christ yet. And there are a ton of them in our community, right? And address a need in our community, address a brokenness. Maybe it's human trafficking for you. You're just like, that's the Lord just put that on my heart. And maybe we'll find a way to do something to bless those who are working in that area to fight against modern day slavery or maybe have a passion for Bible translation or maybe it's to sit with those who are grieving, those in transition from jobs, those looking for jobs, whatever that would be. Don't settle. Find a way that God wants you to uniquely love neighbors in the name of Christ this year. Chefs and finance people and artists and speakers and CPAs, all of us. Using our gifts for God's glory. Try something new, if if you need to find your place to serve. Try something and just try it out. I don't know exactly how it'll work out, but you try. Lastly, is a fourth one. I ask you to say, don't settle in your communion with God. Don't settle in your community with others. Don't settle in your compassion for neighbors. Don't settle with your congruence with self. Oh, this is a fancy one. John Calvin. I'll quote him again. Said this: Nearly all wisdom we possess. That is to say, true and sound wisdom consists of two parts, knowledge of God and of ourselves. Beautiful. What Calvin is saying is, if you want to worship God great, you need to know yourself, first of all, that without God and his love, without his initiation, you'd be lost. There's no way God can use you unless he gave you the gifts to be used. He will qualify the call. That's the first thing of knowing yourself. You need God. But secondly, to know yourself is to know the image of God in you. He's wired you. he's, He's made you for something special. You have spiritual gifts. You have certain motivations that God has implanted in you. So may 2020 be a year that you don't settle for incongruence with self You need to know God, but you can't do it without a knowledge of your your powerlessness with Adam. But it also means that God wants you to get to know how He has made you, how he's wired you. He's made you in his image. And so too many of us walk around each day angry, and we don't know why. Don't settle in 2020 to, to not find out why. Too many of us walk around bitter. Too many of us walk around numb. Too many of us, even followers of Christ, walk around faithless and full of doubt. Don't settle in 2020 and just let it sit there. Get to know how God is nudging you specifically to grow in him. Congruence with self. We walk around bitter. We walk around doubtful. And God will love you in the midst of that struggle. But would you spend some time committing to not settle and to lean in to the reality that God has something great for you. And he wants you to reflect on that incongruence. He wants you to have joy. He wants you to have faith. He wants you to fill you with love so you can share it. Don't settle for that incongruence, walking around bitter and faithless and angry and pessimistic all the time. God wants to breathe something in you. How does he want you to grow? Would you ask yourself that question in 2020? It's a risky one. How do you need to grow in 2020? God is asking us to don't settle, to get up and get out, to go deeper with God, deeper with friends in Christ, deeper with neighbors who need know the Lord and deeper knowledge of self. You pray with me? God, we thank you so much for this word of you. We see Jesus in the life of Abram. And now Abraham, we see you, Lord. Help us to see ourselves in this story, that with you, anything is possible. There might be spiritual deadness and even physical deadness. And Lord, you can work miracles in and through us. You will qualify those of us that you call. And so, Lord, we want to be available to you. Show us what it means, Lord, to close our eyes, to take your hand, and to follow you. Show us what it means to be yoked with you, to go deeper with you in relationship, to go deeper in in relationships with other people here, to love our neighbors, Lord. And Lord, also to know ourselves better. Show us what we need to reveal the true image of you in us. Lord, thank you for your patience with us. In your name we pray. Amen.